Locked On Podcast Network and Radio.com present Locked On Today. What do we need to keep an eye on in the second half of the NBA season? The Texas Rangers want every seat filled on opening day. Plus, a year ago today, the sports world stopped. Where were you? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The NBA did indeed return from its break last night, which means the second half of the season is upon us. Joining us now, the Thursday host of Locked On NBA and co-host of Locked On Nuggets, Matt Moore, is here. Matt, what are you keeping an eye on here in the second half? I think the biggest thing that you have to kind of keep a, a watch on is the race for the play-in standings, right? So like these kind of games are important uh, in terms of if teams are able to make the playoffs, that's going to boost their financial outcomes. There's a huge incentive there, right? Usually teams would be just tanking if they're in the 10 spot. But this season with the flattened lottery odds, you may have a better chance at that, but you also can actually sneak into the playoffs and maybe get some extra revenue. And after the pandemic, I think that that's a big impact. I think the trade deadline is obviously something you've got to keep an eye on given all the, there's a lot of noise out there. It's going to be difficult to make a deal, but there's a lot of chatter as we head into the second half of the season. And then finally, I think when you look at the top of the Eastern Conference, are the Sixers, the Nets, or the Bucks, or any of those three teams going to separate themselves? The West, I think we have a pretty good feel for, but in the East, I think there's a lot of uncertainty on what team is going to assert itself. How much are are you looking at what could happen inside these buildings? Because we already have this, this gradual movement toward adding fans. Do you think that we could be in a situation, and I apologize for that I'm asking you to now speculate wildly, but I mean, do you think we could have changes in policy that could materially impact the way that you feel about the playoff race if all of a sudden we're like, going to be at 50% capacity in these buildings for the playoffs? Yeah, so I think this is a, a real unknown, and the executives I've talked to have expressed a lot of, you know, we don't know what it's going to be like. The question is, we expected a, a shift in things without fans, and I think we've seen that home court advantage has been diminished to a deal, if you look at it from any sort of statistical perspective. But what's the return going to be like? When you first play those, those games in front of a sizable number of fans, What's that impact going to be like? I think we're probably going to be ramping up towards that very quickly. You can already see states moving rapidly in that direction, some more quickly than mm-hmm. others. And I think those teams, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a tangible impact in terms of how those teams perform when they're in front of more fans rather than just the smatterings that they are now. There's a whole lot of things that people are going to have to get used to after the pandemic, and the NBA is no exception. Is there anything that you think maybe is not getting enough attention that could have some material impact on what's going to happen here down the stretch in the playoffs, et cetera. I mean, I think you have to start with, you know, San Antonio, Greg Popovich telling reporters on Wednesday that the Spurs have plans to trade LaMarcus Aldridge or pursue a trade. And so he's not going to be with the team. That's a pretty sizable move. That's a multi-time all-star. He may be in the twilight of his career, but that's still a very talented player. Um, that, I think, impacts things. you got Andre Drummond. Executives still kind of expect him to wind up with the Nets, but there's been interest linked to the Lakers. If the Cavs can't find a trade partner and he is bought out, there's other, te- I think, players you have to keep an eye on. No one really knows about Orlando, who's got a number of players I think they can impact things. Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic. Those three guys are all 
gettable for the right price. Orlando has been very insistent that the price is high, <laughs> but those three players, I think, could definitely swing some of these races. They Those guys may not swing the title, but they can definitely change the fortunes of how far some of these teams go. And if some of those teams go further, that means other teams are knocked out earlier, and that could have impacts as well. Coming up, why opening day in Texas will look a world different from this time last year. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Just because the NFL is over doesn't mean there still aren't plenty of ways for you to make some money betting on your sports knowledge. And there's one place that has you covered, one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. And right now, when you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you will get a 50% welcome bonus. That means they will give you money just for putting money in your account. It couldn't be easier. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. There's NBA to bet on, college basketball. Baseball is going to be here before you know it. Hockey, golf is a blast to gamble on. And when you go to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you will get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. One more break to talk about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counter guy orders the parts off his computer, choosing only from the brands his warehouse happens to carry? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com and shop for yourself for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, Rock Auto is always the reliably low price for you and the same for a professional. Not two different prices. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Memphis Grizzlies get the first win of the second half of the NBA season, and Sean Coleman explains why it was a huge win for Memphis. The Memphis Grizzlies get a needed victory tonight over the Washington Wizards, 127-112. to 112. Now, it may seem a bit odd that I say it is a needed victory in their first game after the All-Star break, but the reason why it's needed is for tonight being the first night of 40 games in 68 days. Any time that the Grizzlies have a chance to get a win in a favorable situation, they need to get it. And it was up and down the roster once again that led them to this ability to win. 29 points and 20 boards from Jonas Valanciunas. Another 20-point, 10 assist night for John Moran. A career-high 20 points for Desmond Bain and five threes. But the big difference was Dylan Brooks leading our defense. He only took seven shots tonight. For the first time in over a year, he took seven or less shots in the game, but he actually led us in plus-minus at a plus-22. The reason I mention that is because it shows the energy that the Grizzlies team, starting with Brooks, but up and down the roster, the energy that we're playing with is making a key difference. In eight days against the league's leading scorer, Bradley Beal, the Grizzlies have held him to 14 of 39 from the field between those two games, and it's a big reason why we earned two needed wins against Washington in a little over the week. In the ACC tournament, number 10, Duke. That's right, number 10 seed, Duke. Eased by seven-seeded Louisville, 70 to 56 on Wednesday night to advance to the quarterfinals. Duke plays number 15, Florida State, the two-seed 
on Thursday in their first matchup of the season after the January 2nd game was postponed due to COVID-19 issues in the Seminoles program. Also advancing in the ACC tournament, Syracuse, Miami, and North Carolina. The NCAA is trying to shore up its COVID-19 protocols ahead of the NCAA tournament. All a team needs to play in this year's tournament is five healthy players. How about a coach? The NCAA will get back to you on that. The fluid nature of a March Madness played amid the coronavirus pandemic was spelled out Wednesday, hours before the NCAA selection committee began meeting to hash out a 68-team bracket that could remain in flux until the games tip off next week. Anyone who has ever played intramurals knows the pain of having to play with just five guys. I played with four once. Kevin Durant, who remains sidelines for the Brooklyn Nets with a hamstring strain, is scheduled to have imaging done on the injury next week. Head coach Steve Nash said the hope is that those scans will dictate a clearer return timeline for KD. Nash made it clear that even if those scans show progress, Durant will not return to game action immediately. The Nets are currently only a half game back of the 76ers in the East, entering the second half of the season. Here is another story you need to know. In a fitting bit of symmetry, as we remember the year that we have lost and gained sports, the Texas Rangers announced that they will have a loaded, a jammed stadium, assuming people buy tickets, for their home opener after the governor lifted restrictions on businesses in Texas. Bryce Paderek from Locked on Rangers joins me now. Bryce, what is your just basic top line reaction to all of this? Well, thanks for having me on. I, you know, the, when the show launched, I was really excited about it. But I'm like, you know, the Rangers are not only a bad team, but a boring <laughs> team. But then the Texas Rangers go and decide to make some news. And, you know, my first reaction is just anger yeah. at the Rangers organization. I mean, you mentioned like if they sell tickets. That's the thing is I know that they're going to sell tickets. And this is them putting the bottom line ahead of the people that are going to be there, their own workers, their players. It's just, it doesn't feel great. hundred percent capacity and masks are required, but it's going to be really hard. They're going to enforce it. Like the, the rules, um, like for cursing and foul language, it's like a three strike policy, mm-hmm. but enforcing that at a 40,000 person stadium is going to be near impossible. What's the point? Everyone's gonna be sitting right next to each other and some a lot of people are less masky than other parts of the country in Texas. Yes. Um, and for some reason, they I I knew they were going to do this. Like as soon as the restrictions were open, I'm like, okay, that's exactly they're going to do this. There's no question in my mind they're going to do this. And I don't think I'm going to be going to a Rangers game at all this year. I just don't feel safe, even if I am vaccinated. And I don't want to like give them my money and. I feel like I've seen a lot of Rangers fans on Twitter feel the same way. They're just like, why are you doing this? There is no need to do this. Like, I know that you had the new stadium built last year and nobody could come until the playoffs, which your team wasn't even there because your team sucks. But it's just a lot of frustration on my part with this team, which has been amplified over and over again for the last year. Do you think you would feel differently if the team were good? Personally, I would still be upset with them no matter how good they are. Uh, It doesn't matter to me. It still is... It, when it's when things are safe, then open back up, do whatever you want. But not enough of the state is vaccinated. I mean, Texas is one of the um, lower on the lower side of percentage of its citizens being vaccinated. I mean, they're just starting. I think March fifteenth, 
in the Dallas area to include um, just the regular people that are from age 50 to 64 um, in terms of them getting vaccinated. So they're still really behind schedule um, in terms of how the other states are going as well. I think it's like 8% last time I checked of people who have been vaccinated at all, even with one shot. So that wouldn't really change my mind. Um, and it's just the Rangers continue to build this bad PR. I mean, they were the first team to have their team employees go back into the office. They were one of the first ones to lay people off um, when the pandemic hit last year. Um, and they even sent, when they sent people back to the office, it wasn't safe. It wasn't even necessary. Um, I've talked to a few people that were working in the office. Like everything that we could have done there, we could have done at home. And there were people in the office that um, I believe one uh, worker in the office did get COVID-19. Um, and it took them a while to even notify the employees that one of their fellow employees had tested positive and they had been in contact with them at work. So the Rangers have just kept shooting themselves in the foot in the foot with bad PR moves over and over again over the last year. And it's just really upsetting to a lot of the fans and, and me as well. A year ago today, the sports world stopped. So where were you? Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. It has been a year since the sports world stood still because of COVID-19 and a global pandemic that we did not know was going to change our lives the way that it has. And in a lot of ways, we are still uncovering ourselves from the wreckage of what has happened over the last year. Where were you when all of this changed well, we know where David Locke was. He joins me now, the host of Locked on Jazz and the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, you were at patient zero in the NBA and in sports with that Rudy Gobert situation. What do you remember about that night? Oh, I, I don't have a great memory, and that one's pretty vivid. There's, I mean, everything from the doctor running out on the court to stop action, literally as we were about to tip. We had run our open for the broad. We do a scene setter right before tip off. And the last thing the scene setter says is, now we tip it off. And like the big voice guy, like that had already run on the broadcast. We were that close to tipping it off on the personal note, having to kind of reach out to my family and, and, and say something. I, I still have the experience where I, I go to text somebody who I haven't talked to in a little while. And I see that they texted me on March 11th. You know, I certainly never got back to all of the texts, but I have a lot where I text someone now. I'm like, Oh, sorry. I didn't return that text. I mean, I, people, I wasn't that concerned. There was a level of ignorance and lack of knowledge, but the reaction of the people in around me or I've ever met, like, oh, I hope you're okay. I mean, there was a real concern at that point. The memories are kind of endless in that period of time for someone who doesn't have a lot of memories. Um, I would share with you, I spent the lunch hour that day on the phone with the voice of the Timberwolves and the voice of the Warriors figuring out how we were going to call games without fans. But we certainly didn't think we weren't calling another game until we went to a bubble in Orlando. So I think my biggest memory is actually as it hit us and being at the epicenter, still how ignorant we really were of everything. When you look back in five years, do, do you think you know already what the flashpoint will be for you? 
Oh, there's not one. I would certainly tell you that. And I actually, on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, for the first time ever, kind of told the story, but all the way back to like walking through Boston on our previous road trip and going through every CVS and having nothing there and buying like these little tiny wipes in New York City in this like side store that I found. It wasn't a Clorox wipe. It was just a wipe and wiping everything out. You know, I have so many flashpoints. I actually went to dinner with head coach Quinn Snyder and Alex Jensen the night before our fourth spot was supposed to be Rudy Gobert, but he didn't feel well. I mean, that's like mm. pretty crazy to think back at that, that that was the dinner I was supposed to be having the night before. Um, you know, if you look at the video of Rudy after he touches the microphones, you actually can see me walking out with Rudy. I spent about a, a, a decent amount of time with him after that, a great basketball conversation. Maybe the biggest one is the call from our PR director, Derek Arduino, telling me I was negative. I couldn't believe that to be true. Like, I think maybe the most telling one is that all of us who had been on the plane the day before, all of us who had been on the bus the days before, all of us been in the hotel with the level of contagion we had heard about, we certainly, we, we were certain we were all positive. I mean, the announcement of the crowd asking them to go home and everyone filing out the text message that I got, please leave your broadcast site and immediately come to the locker room and bring all of your things with you. And it's like, oh gosh, this is real, right? You know, getting tested. The poor women that had to test us who were in hazmat gear, who, pro who had never given a test before. Tulsa, Oklahoma had a positive case. Oklahoma City had not I had a test. And I'm just not certain these women had ever tested anyone. They were clearly terrified in a room with what they thought was 50 people that were positive. And oh my goodness, they touched my brain multiple times. And I'm not mad about it at all. They, they hadn't done it before. So you talk about a flashpoint. Obviously, I can go forever. There's not one. There's a thousand, and I'll never forget that night. And finally, as the second half of the NBA season kicks off, here is some fantasy NBA waiver wire advice. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and we're looking at the waiver wire in fantasy basketball leagues. Yes, Blake Griffin's a popular name to add. He is not someone that I am adding. I just don't see where the value is going to be for a guy that's underperformed that much over the last two years. And now he's on a very, very much smaller role in Brooklyn, so not adding him, but there are other guys we can look at. Short term, there's no Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, so Shake Milton and perhaps Dwight Howard can be short-term ads there. Otto Porter is returning for Chicago. I'm not super high on adding him, but he is at least a name to consider. While another Porter Jr., Kevin Porter Jr., is getting a lot of buzz in Houston. Now, I don't know if he's going to live up to that buzz, but I would add him, and then I would try and flip him to someone who might actually believe that hype. And if you have already added him, I think he's a good trade option. So check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast wherever you find podcasts, and uh, I'll see you there. Bye. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up Friday, the 76ers take the court for the first time since the All-Star break, but they'll be without Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.